0: Every Bugatti belongs to the Lord. Every uh, Ferrari belongs to the Lord. Can you tell I have little boys, that's all they talk about is Lamborghinis and Ferraris. How they're going to own four of them one day. Well, it belongs to the Lord. All the money in your account and all the money in my account belongs to the Lord. Everything in it and all who live in it. All the fish, all the birds, all the animals. All over 7 billion, almost 8 billion people in it belong to the Lord. For he founded it, he started it on the Pacific, on the Atlantic. He created the Indian Ocean and he established it on the waters. God doesn't need your money, and God doesn't mean need my money. Because it's all his. It's all his. It's all his. In fact, guess what? His plan for this world, when his kingdom finally comes, is that this world, this earth, and the current heaven will pass away including all the stuff and all the money in it, and he will establish a new heaven and a new earth. So it turns out that if you give him your money, he's not even planning on keeping it because it is going to pass away. God doesn't need your money. Today, we're going to talk about money. And we're gonna talk about one of the most uh, practical and famous passages about what God, how God gives us some, some really clear directions on what to do with our money. Now, I know what some of you were thinking if you were new to Mountaintop or maybe you're new to church or, or, or kind of new to God and you just decided to give it a chance in the new year and, and you picked this church to come to, you're like, great, I knew that's what all they talked about was money, I had heard about it and I show up to church and they're finally talking and they're talking about money. It's not what we all talk, always talk about. If you're here today and you brought a friend and you've been inviting them for months, and you're sitting beside them now, you're thinking, Oh no, great. I thought we were going to talk about something like love and grace, and we're going to talk about money. Well, here's what I want to tell you I, I want to, I hope I will quell your fears. I do want to talk specifically today to people who call themselves followers of Jesus because we're going to talk about not just money but our relationship to God and money. And if you are one of those folks that consider yourself a newcomer or you're kind of uh, new to church and, and you've got some skepticism about church money, I, I get it. I hope you'll tune in and listen in because I think and I hope what you'll hear is perhaps different than what you have always heard when it came to, comes to churches talking about money. Because you might have a bad perception of it because you actually have had a negative experience in hearing a church talk about money. But here's what I know, no matter where you're at, if you're new or you're regular or you've been in church a long time or you haven't been in church in a while, here's what I know. Finances are gonna be a part of your 2020. And I'll bet you wanna win at finances in 2020. Am I right? In fact, you might have even made a New Year's resolution that you're gonna save more, you're gonna put more aside, you're gonna put more, you might have even started it. You're gonna put a little bit more back in retirement or you're gonna spend less. I want you to win at finances in 2020. And I'll bet family is going to be a part of your 2020. Maybe you made some New Year's resolutions with family, or you're going to try to visit family more, see family more. And I want you to win at family. We're going to be talking about uh, family next week. We're going to have a family service, or all our elementary kids are going to be with us here in worship. And we're going to talk about how we can win as a family and how we can own the decade. Faith is going to be a part of your 2020. I mean, you wouldn't be here if faith wasn't important to you. You wouldn't be tuning in online if faith wasn't important to you. I want you to win at faith. And friendships are going to be a part of 2020. A friendship gone sour can run a year, right? Making a new friend can make a year. I want you to win at finances, at family, at faith, at friendships. And I think God wants you to win. And I think God has some wisdom for us. That we're gonna look at over the next four weeks to own the decade. I mean to crush it. Don't you wanna crush it? Because just think about it. I mean, this is this is a pretty big year. We're not just starting a new year. I mean, we're starting a new decade. We're starting a new decade. Now, some people will say that the new decade doesn't start until 2021. Has anybody else said has anybody else heard that? Have you read that? I mean, are you gonna think about the twenties as year twenty twenty one through twenty thirty? No, it's, so we're talking about a new decade. We're talking about a n- whole, new, uh, whole new decade of life because what's gonna happen is 10 years from now, uh, you didn't know I was this good at math, you're gonna be in 2030. <laughs> your finances are gonna be somewhere. Your family's gonna be somewhere. Your friendships, your faith. And you're gonna start right here at 2020. So just think backwards. Are you gonna get to 2030 on purpose? Like, I mean, I mean, just think about that. Just think if you could say that we started in 2010 and I made some decisions in my family, I made some decisions in my faith, I made some commitments and friendships and I made some new commitments financially with God. That, and, and now I arrived at 2030 because the next 10 years are going to be big for you. Some of you teenagers that are like 15 or 16 years old and 10 years seems like a long time. In 10 years, you're going to have graduated from college and you're going to be engaged or get married. And your whole life is going to change. Some of you that are 19, 20, 21 years old, you're going to get married in 10 years and you're going to have a kid or two. And if you think you've got financial problems now, <laughs> you're not going to have any money. You're going to spend it on diapers. That's just the way it goes. Some of you over the next 10 years are going to retire. Some of you are going to change careers. Some of you are going gonna to be at the top of your income level in 10 years. Some of us are going to go through traumatic experiences in 10 years. There's so much going to happen because just think about what was life like in 2010? Did you arrive in 2020 on purpose? Or are you just going to get here? Because I just want to tell you, a lot can happen in, t- in a decade. Let me tell you a little bit about what's happened. In 2010, <clears throat> Netflix had been streaming for three years. But all of us had dumb TVs. Nobody had a smart TV in 2010. They were, br- they were almost brand new. Check this out. In 2010, McDonald's and Starbucks began offering... Free Wi-Fi. Does anybody remember going to Starbucks when you had to pay for Wi-Fi? I know you teenagers are like, what? <laughs> pay for Wi-Fi, right? I can remember going to McDonald's and you had to, have, you, could, you had to have an AT&T account and we had AT&T internet at home. So if you had your AT&T, you could log on at McDonald's to your AT&T. In April 2010, Apple introduced the first iPad. Think about how much iPads are a part of everyday life now. In October 2010, a new social media platform was introduced called Instagram. How much you spend your time now on Instagram? That's pretty amazing. Think about all the things that happened over those 10 years. 2012, we were all crazy because Gangnam Style was the most watched video. Does anybody remember that? God. 2013, it was the Harlem Shake. 2014 was the Ice Bucket Challenge. 2016, everybody was playing Pokemon Go. Do you remember that? You're like, will this last? No. <laughs> 2017, everybody had to give a fidget spinner. Do you remember those? I got a son that's got like 30 of them. So, so, I mean, so here's the question. So, I mean, how are you gonna end up, if they'll all think about all that can happen that did happen from 2010 to 2020, well, how can you intentionally show up at 2030 in 10 years on purpose? Where do you want to be financially in 2030? Do you want to have more in savings? Maybe you need to save for college. Maybe you got little kids. Uh, maybe you're going to have more for retirement. Maybe you want to be ready to retire. Maybe you want to be able to retire. Maybe if you, if you play your cards right, you can retire in those 10 years. Maybe it's more income. Maybe you're thinking, I should be in line for a promotion. I should be in line for a raise. I should be at that point in my career. Maybe it's to erase some of debt. Maybe you're going to pay off a house in 10 years. Maybe you're going to pay off some college debt. Maybe you're going to get those cars paid off in 10 years. I just want you to know, I think these are all awesome. I think these are all good. They are not my area of expertise. That's, That's really not. We want to help you accomplish these good things. So one of the things that we do here at Mountaintop is we've even got, even today, a class called Good Sense that you can take to help learn from some experts in our church in the area of finances how to win in some of these areas, how to save more, how to plan for retirement better, how to erase debt and pay off uh, expenses from your past. We've got that going on today and next week as part of our good sense. And then we've got another class coming up the first two Sundays of February, February 2nd and February 9th. Those are offered on Sunday mornings during worship so you can go to the class for one service and come worship for the other service. So we would love for you to be a part of those because we have gifted leaders in our church who volunteer their time so that you can win at this important area of your life. If you wanna learn more about that, head to the Connect booth. Right outside these doors, your back, right shoulder, or down here on the right, if you're if you're on top there, and uh, learn more about those good sense. So I'm more concerned about where you're going to be in your relationship with God in your finances in 10 years. That's my concern because if you do all these things well and you save a bunch of money and you're almost ready to retire and you're at the top of your income and you erase all your debt and God isn't a part of the equation, I think you lose. Jesus said it this way. He said this one time. He said, what good is it? And as I love the way he worded it, what good is it for a person to gain or profit the whole world and lose their soul? And I I want you to win at finances, but I don't want you to win at the expense of your soul. I want your money to have a soul. So today we're going to talk about a very particular issue that I believe will help us own the decade financially in our relationship with God and money. And this is it it's tithing. Now, tithing is a churchy word, isn't it? You don't ever use the word tithe outside of church, you never say the word tithing anywhere else. Here, let me tell you what tithing means tithe, tithe is, a, is just a real churchy word for 10%. And today we're going to talk about giving 10% of your income to the local church. That's what we're going to talk about. Now, here's what I know. You've probably heard a message on tithing before. Maybe not. Maybe this is new. But you probably carried in some baggage when it comes to churches and money. Right? Like you, some of you, this is such a, this is like you just, oh, your shoulders get tight and it was good. Like when the bass started, you know, going, it was like, that sounds cool, that's good. Oh no, he's gonna talk about money, right? And you just get a little squirmy in your seat because you've been a part of a church where you've seen money mishandled or you've seen dishonesty with money by church leaders. And you you lost trust in churches and dealing with money. Maybe you had an experience where church staff or pastors embezzled money. I grew up in a church that has staff member embezzle money. I get it. And that begins to make you skeptical about giving to the church because you're not sure is it gonna be safe or are they really handling things the right way? So I get it. Sometimes churches don't even do a good job of talking about church finances Uh, in, in the way they really work. Like some people think that if you give more, I get more. Listen, if that was the case, I'd be preaching on money a lot more. I just want you to know. That was a joke. You need to loosen up, right? We don't have a church airplane, okay? Some people think that though, that if there's a higher offering that the staff get paid more that week. That's not how it works at all. We have a budget set by gifted leaders who understand finances. We look back on our his, history and, and our giving to base a yearly budget that, that fund all our ministry expenses, and our staff salaries are a part of that. If you give more, our staff doesn't get more. That's not the way it works. If you give more, we have more money for ministry, but that's that's not the way it works. So, so a lot of times we just don't even talk about money. Well, we just don't even explain exactly how it works. But here's, here's the most important thing, that when we think about churches and money, the most things that we hear is they just want more from me. When you think about church and money, that's oftentimes what you think, is they just want something else from me. They want more money, more giving, more, 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 more. And that's why I don't like it when churches talk about money. That's why I don't go to church because all they care about is what they can get from me. But do you remember what I said at the beginning? Does anybody remember? God doesn't need your money. And he doesn't need my money. If you never give another dime to the local church, God will not cease to be God. And the will of God will not be thwarted on planet earth. God will continue to work his will toward bringing about the kingdom of God on earth and a new heaven and a new earth being founded with his son seated at the right hand of the father. We will not stop it. So if God doesn't need anything from us to be God and to accomplish his will, then why in the world would he want us to tithe? And here's why. And if you can wrap your head around this thinking and if you can get this thought in your mind, it will change the way you think about money and it will change the way you think about, about tithing forever. Tithing is what God wants for you, not from you. Tithing is not about what God wants from you. Tithing is what about God wants for you. Think about it. If God doesn't need our money, if he doesn't need anything from us, then why would he want us to tithe? He wants us to experience something, something that's for us. Now, before we drill down in this passage and unpack this, it's just a few verses. Before we unpack this, let me, let me just, there's something else that we need to understand about money or why it's different than every other thing in our relationship with God. You can see it. Right? You can touch it. There's nothing like a crisp new one, is there? Just feels, can you hear it? Isn't that nice? I mean, you can see it, you can touch it. It has decimals, right? We keep up to it to the hundredth. You know how many? You've got an app on your phone right now. You could probably go to your bank app and you could find out exactly how much of it you have or you get your bank statement every week, or you go on the computer every week to make sure you got paid, And right? I mean, we know exactly how much we have. Or you've got an envelope where you stick it in between, some extra in between the mattress and the box spring, or you've got it in a coffee can somewhere, or you're like my great uncle and you put it in the freezer. Whatever is your style. I had a great uncle, when he died, they found $14,000 in his freezer. I mean, like, you know your family's from the country when you got money in the freezer. Right. And you know what that was, don't you? That was cold hard cash. (laughs) I'm a dad. I mean, come on, it's gotta be a dad joke, right? Oh, it was just it teed it up. I'm seriously, I had an uncle, it was crazy. So whatever it is, but you can touch it. You can touch it. Our heart, our trust, our faith you can't see those. Like they're much more intangible and we're a lot better at lying about them, aren't we? Can you trust God more? Oh yeah, I'm gonna trust God more. Yes, sir, preacher. Yes, sir. Can you give God more of your faith? Oh, all my faith is, oh yes. You don't have to worry about, I, We want, Lord, we want you to give more, more of your heart to the Lord. Oh yeah, God can have all my heart. Let's talk about your money. Well, let's see, we got a ledger for that. We can see exactly how much of that God has. It's hard to see how much of your heart he has, how much of our faith, how much of our trust, but money, oh yeah, we can see how much you spend on your house, see how much you spend on clothes, see how much you spend on, on rent, see how much you spend on hobbies, and how much you give to the church or to charity. See, it? it's just tougher. It's real. It's tangible. We can see it. We can touch it. So, I want you to listen to how the prophet Malachi talks about as God's mouthpiece this issue of our finances and this specifically this issue of tithing. Now Malachi was a prophet of God sent to be, like I said, his mouthpiece to the people Israel, to his people. It's the last book in the Old Testament. So if you got your, your hard copy Bible with you, it's the last one right before Matthew, before the story turns to the birth, life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. So if you don't have your Bible, a Bible, please take one as you go out. But listen to what Malachi says about this. The people, there's begin to be a little bit of a tension in their relationship with God. And this is what it says. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and not kept them. You have wandered, you have strayed. There's something that you're you're headed in the wrong direction. And this is what he says, return to me. Turn back from whichever way you're going and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. But the people ask, well, how are we to turn? How? How? How are we to return? How have we wandered? How have we strayed? It doesn't feel like you've got less of our hearts. It doesn't feel like you've got less of our trust. It doesn't feel like you've got less of our faith. We've put all our faith in you. We've put all our hope in you. We've got all our trust because hope and trust and faith are a lot harder to measure, aren't they? And this is how God, what God says through Malachi. Will a mere mortal Rob God, and yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? How could we rob you? What do you mean? Who, who, has, who would have the audacity to rob God? How would we even do that? None of us, Lord, have been to the temple and stolen anything. None of us have, have gotten one of the priests and stolen something from the priest. Right? Who would have the audacity to rob God? I mean, listen, we've all accidentally taken a pen home from church every once in a while, right? I brought it back the next week, I promise. Who would have, you gotta have some audacity to steal from the church, to steal from the temple. Who would do this? And then he goes on and he says, this is how, in tithes and offerings. In your 10%, you are, and you are under a curse, your whole nation, because you, are robbing me. Well, I mean, how, how would that be robbing you? We didn't take it from you. Oh, well, it's easy. Don't you know that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it, for he founded it on the seas and established it in the waters. So when you, I know you think you're giving to me, you're just returning what is already mine. And that's why you feel Cursed. Have have you ever felt like your finances were cursed? That's how they felt. Listen to what God says. Here's the solution for this. Bring the whole tithe. In our words, in our language, in our understanding, bring all 10%. Bring the whole tithe, bring all 10% into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Don't bring 7%, don't bring 8%, don't bring 9%, don't bring 9.5%, don't bring 9.999%. Bring all 10%. And then he says something really interesting. Bring it into the storehouse. And then what does it say? Go back to that last one, please. Where does it say into where? Into my house, bring it into my house, that there may be food in my house. Now, some people will say, "Well, I tie, I give ten percent, but I spread it around to different ministries and to different nonprofits and uh, different parachurch organizations." Listen, I am for nonprofits and ministries and parachurch organizations. I have served on boards of nonprofits serving families. Uh, Our church, we just took up a huge offering so we could give 25 grand away to nonprofits. I believe in the work and ministry of nonprofits are doing in our community and in our world. It's just not what God says. He says, bring it into the storehouse so that I will have it in my house. For them, the reason it says food is that this would have been the first fruits of their grain, the first 10% of their harvest, the first 10% of their livestock. They would have taken the very first 10% and they would have brought it in. So what God is saying is, I just want you to bring trust, because here's what this is. When we... When we say I'm going to divvy it up between all these different organizations, kind of what we're saying is, Lord, I'm not sure I trust you with all of it. And so this is really about trust. I want you to trust me with all of it. And then I think what happens after a tithe, that's when offerings happen. And you give offerings on top of a tithe. An offering is to, maybe it's to a parachurch organization. Maybe it's to a nonprofit. Maybe it's to a Christmas offering. Maybe it's to a capital campaign. Uh, maybe it's to a special, a special way that you're gonna serve the community. Maybe it's to a, a family in need. Whatever that offering is that you're gonna give away. And then God says something that ought to just about take our breath away. It all stops us in our tracks. It's the only time. It's the only time that God says this the entire Bible. Test me in this. Just try me. You think you know more about money. You think the numbers don't add up. You think you've got a handle on your finances better than I do. You think I don't know what I'm talking about. You think this is old school. You think this is old fashioned. You think it won't make a difference. You just bring the whole tithe into the storehouse and you Test me, just test me. in this. You just, buddy, just try me, God says. Says the Lord Almighty. And then this is the word, this is the word, this is the word. And see, see. If I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much riches that you'll be so prosperous. It doesn't say that, does it? What's he going to pour out? Blessing. That there will not be room enough to store it. Blessing. I want you to see something. If you will trust me in this, if you will test me in this, if you will be obedient in this, you will see something. God wants you to see. God wants you to see something. Here's what God wants you to see. God wants you to see his blessings. God wants you to see how he provides what it feels like on the inside to know you are investing in his work in the world. God wants you to see his providence. God wants you to see how he can stretch 90% better than you can spend 100%. God wants you to see his goodness. God wants you to see that he doesn't want, because you're thinking, oh, the numbers don't add up. It just doesn't make sense. God wants you to see, just trust me, it's good. God wants you to see things differently. God wants you to see the world through kingdom eyes. God wants you to see the world through kingdom eyes. God wants you to see the world through what would happen if you could see things from a kingdom perspective you and I individually probably could not give $25,000 away this Christmas to our community. But we did it together. That's kingdomized. We did it together. What we can do together, it was more, if you just see things through the kingdom. Here's what he wants you to see. He wants you to see his faithfulness. He wants you to see he wants you to see how he will pour out his blessings, how he will pour out his faithfulness, how he will pour out on you what he wants to give you. And if you will just tithe, you will see it. But there's a flip side of that, right? If you don't tithe, you never see it. That's why tithing is what God wants for you, not from you. Tithing is what God wants for you and not from you. He wants for you to experience it. He wants for you to see what he will do. So I have a radical idea. What if you just did it? What if you just did it? What if you just said, okay, I'm going to do it. The numbers don't add up Carter. You don't uh, listen. You don't know how tight it is around. Uh, you, you know, you, listen, we, things are tight around my house. No, I get it. I have four kids. Things are tight around your house. I've invested a fortune in half-drunk soda cans. Did you know that? You know how much money I've thrown away? Listen, uh, Carter, I don't know how we could do it. We're just struggling to pay the bills. We're struggling with this. Or I don't know, I'd have to cut back on this. I'd have to cut back on that. Listen, I'm not telling you the numbers will add up. I'm not telling you it'll make sense. Whatever you just said, I'm going to do it. Let me tell you why it's tough. You want to tell you why it's tough? Because you can see it. What if I said, give God more of your heart today? Yes, sir, preacher, I'm in. Lord, you can have my heart. Okay, give the Lord more of your faith today. Oh, you can have more of my faith. I'm, I'm all in, pastor, come on. What if I had more of, your, more of your trust? You can have all of it. You know why that's so easy? Because you don't have a trust account. You don't have a faith account. You don't have a heart account. You have a bank account. And the bank has let us put our name on it like it belongs to us. So to take this step means we're going to take a huge literal and physical leap of faith to write a check, to go online and transfer something to give to the church that's tangible, that's real, that we can see. But what if you just did it for three months, January, February, March, and just see what God does. See if you can still afford to pay the bills. See if God doesn't do something in your life. See how you feel about it. You'll never know if you never do it. If you've stopped at 10% and you've been tithing for decades, but you've never taken another step, what's the next step God wants you to take? Is it an offering? Is it 10.5%? Is it 11%? Is it 12%? Is it 20%? What would you see if you just took one more step of faith? So I thought about this in this series, like, what if we had these proclamations each Sunday during this series of like things we wish we could say that we hope we could say in 2030 looking back at 2010 in this area of our lives. So what if in 2030 financially wouldn't it be awesome if you could say this through my faithfulness to God I saw the faithfulness of God. Wouldn't it be awesome. Awesome. Wouldn't it be awesome if you were to say, like in January 2020, we went to church, we did this thing, I started tithing, and the numbers didn't make sense, and it didn't add up, and I couldn't figure out how it was going to work. But I just decided that I was going to be faithful to God and holy smokes over the last decade through my faithfulness to God, I saw the faithfulness of God and somehow it worked and somehow we paid the bills and somehow I had more than I figured I would and somehow my priorities changed and somehow God showed up and showed out in my finances and I'm so glad that I made a decision 10 years ago to let God own the decade in me because it's his money anyway. Emily and I have been tithing since we got married And we've seen this faithfulness our whole marriage. I've been in ministry for 20 years. I've never had a church member tell me they regretted tithing. It's never happened. Nobody's ever said, I regret so much how much money I gave to the church. It's never happened. But the testimony of a thousand tithers won't make a dent in you until you do it personally. And that's why, because this is such a personal, tangible thing, I think it's the only time God said, bring it all and just test me because I want you to see what I will do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your providence for our lives, God, that we know that we can't outgive you. But Lord, it feels like sometimes We're holding on to this stuff, this money. It gets a hold of us and our culture. So Lord, I just want to pray that today would be a day and this season will be a season that we would step up and step out in faith. And maybe for some of us in this room it's to start giving for the very first time. And maybe for others of us, it's to start tithing finally. For others, it's to take a step beyond tithing. Whatever it is, God, I pray that you give us courage right now boldness to trust you. And Lord, we're going to thank you already. We're going to praise you in advance for all that we're going to see you do in us, through us. Thank you for your faithfulness. Help us to respond in faithfulness to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to close.